All right. Praise God. Um, we are going to be talking, continuing our study of the attributes of God. Um, <clears throat> so far, nobody's taken me up on the offer about going to the blog to get the printout. It's 143 pages. Again, that's totally up to you. It will help you, I promise you. I mean, yeah, the study that we're doing is called The Attributes of God. It's the one true God by Paul Washer. Yeah, they're in here. This is all 143 pages right here. It looks like this. Have you read it? No, I'm going through them as I do the study. Um, but this is where I got God as one and God as Trinity. It just talks about the attributes of God. The attributes of God is God's character. Who is God? This God we worship. This God we come to church to and, and, and praise and we want to evangelize for. And we're, you know, we're, we're sold out for this God, but do we really know who he is according to his word? That's the attributes of God. You should spend much time studying it, especially in today's day and age where God is just blaspheming. People say they know who God is. People say God is this. People say God is that. People say God isn't this. People say God isn't that. We need to know what the word declares. Yes, sir. If you go to the blog, go all the way to the bottom, and you'll see attributes of God, Paul Washer, one true God, something like that, and there's a link. It's PDF form. Click it. Take you to the uh, uh, site. You can print it all out. So, Paul Washer. Washer. Paul Washer. Um, so, that's cool. Um... <clears throat> I texted you guys the blog last time. She's fixing. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's cool. Today we're talking about God is spirit. This is the first part of the second lesson. There's God is spirit and God is personal. Next week it'll be God is personal. You say, huh? How's God personal? God's personal. He can feel. He's a jealous God. He can get angry. He he hates sin. All right. He's got. He's he's personal. He's very personal. He's loving. He can love. All right. So. Um, for those people who might have their dreams shattered thinking that God is just a big grandpa that forgives everybody for everything because, you know, he's just a great and loving God and he's so compassionate. God does not like sin. He hates it. Okay? He's taken out, he's had his prophets and his warriors take out whole countries, kids, animals, women and men. All of, yes, destroy them all. That is the God you serve. I hope you still want to serve him. If you read the Old Testament, that is the God you serve. There's a reason behind what he does. And you are humanity. I am a human. We have no right to question what God does. If you do, you put yourself above God as if though you know more than he does. Because he can see what's going to happen 2,000 years from now, and he can see what's going to happen tomorrow. And you can. All right? So, um, That's the problem. Why would he create humanity... Knowing that we were going to mess up, and he, you are, he, he usually the choice to mess up or not. <laughs> You're right. Pastor Robert took us through two places in Scripture. Yeah, I think one was for for his um, for his glory, and I forget what the other one that he used scriptural. Um, I got it written down for his glory and for I think fellowship. Maybe I forget exactly what it was, but. Don't quote me on that, but I can get you the answer to that, right. what, what Pastor Robert used. But um, we're created to, to glorify God, and, you know, God's not dependent on humanity glorifying him, but yet for some reason, and that should actually make you fall more in love with God, that God did create you and give you the opportunity to be in love with him and give you the opportunity to be in fellowship and relationship with him. That just adds to who he is, because he didn't have to create none of us. 
but yet you have a chance to live? I'm grateful for that. I, get a, I have a chance to experience the love of a wife, to experience the love of children. I'm grateful for that. If it wasn't for God, I would never have the, the understanding or the ability or the opportunity to hold my little 15-month-old child in my arms, you know, or to walk in the door, you know, because he gives me life. God has given me life. So when I walk in from work and I see my kids run up to me and they just, they love me. It makes me feel good. I can never have the opportunity to feel that if God would have never created me. So the question shouldn't be, oh, well, why did God create and try to automatically speculate? But the, 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 the response and the true heart of worship should be, God, I thank you for giving me today to worship you. You see what I'm saying? It's just the way we look at things, but the scriptures are clear on why he created us. There's two different places Pastor Robert took us, and he did a very good job on the Q&As. But today we're talking about God is spirit. God is spirit. All right? It's, um, the scriptures refer to God as being unseen, invisible, and being spirit. A look into this attribute of God, God is spirit, that's the attribute, it's going to show us that God is not a physical being that we can behold with our physical faculties, our eyes, our hands. That's what we're going to learn today. John 4, 24. If you have your word, you can turn there. If not, Lene's working on having it up there. She probably already does. It says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. I will be reading from the New American Standard Version. So if it's a little bit different, that's okay. The New King James Version is a good version as well. The NASB is, is, uh, is a little bit more accurate on its translation, but it doesn't take away from, the New King James doesn't really take away from the meaning neither. It's a good translation. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit of truth. So in light of this scripture, John 4, 24, man, i got to do something about that light. In light of this scripture, it declares that God must be worshipped in spirit and truth. Okay, he's a spirit. He has to be worshipped in spirit of truth. So the word worship is reverence, it's respect, it's adoration. The Greek word actually gives a visual of a dog licking its master's hand. And you say, oh man, you know. That is why I have a problem with the Pope's hand being kissed. To me, I think it's a form of adoration, it's a form of worship. I would never kiss the Pope's hand. I would kiss my wife's hand, not because I worship her, but because I love her and I want to make her feel good. About being loved by a man. Yes, sir. Uh, isn't that a sign of respect, not worship? It, you can call it whatever you want, but... Like, kings I'll, would have their rings kissed for Do you, re- you respect Pastor Chad? Mm-hmm. Would you kiss his hand? Please. Actually, you got to get on your knees and do it. No. That's you usually what they do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, no. Exactly. They would kiss them on I know what you're saying. You're saying... So Jesus well, power and to respect. That's some deep respect. That's some deep respect, but yet they teach it in a different way. See, I don't want to get too much on the apologetic side. I don't want to get too much into that, William, but it's more of like something that's a mandate. You know, it's something that's expected. If you see the Pope, you are expected as a Catholic to, you know, if you, from what I understand, forgive me if I'm wrong. Because they're esteeming him higher than, than what he is. Right. He's, the thing is, is he's humanity. He's a man. He sinned just like you sinned, you know. But yes, I see your point. You know, the kings, they would get their rings kissed. I see that. But I wouldn't kiss a man's hand because I bow down to the Savior and to the Savior only. I don't want to be mistaken to bow down to a man and be a form of idolatry in God's eyes. So you have to be careful with that kind of stuff. But worship. God is to be worship in spirit and truth. So worship is that adoration, that reverence, that respect. So we worship Him in spirit. 
and spirit. This is supernatural. Okay, this is supernatural. The worshiping in spirit is supernatural. It's not natural. Okay, everybody understand that? Worshiping God, the supernatural, be worshiping God without concern for the things that are happening around you in the natural realm. So it's like being lost. It's being focused and lost in your worship and your adoration of who God is. When I say lost, I mean you're not concerned with the movement that's going on around you. You're not concerned with somebody acting this way or doing this or not doing this. You're just concerned with God and your adoration of Him. You're not easily distracted. It's a supernatural thing for you to be in that type of tune, that type of focus, that type of meditation, if you will, in worship of the Father. Because He's Spirit. You can't you can't kiss his hand. You see what I'm saying? You can't go kiss God's hand. It just ain't going to work like that. You know? Um, but you can wash his feet. No, no, that's the Greek word. That's The Greek word gives that, that visual. A, a dog licking his master's hand. Um, but yeah, you're not going to be licking God's hand. But, I mean, if you could kiss God's hand, you probably would. I mean, I, I just can't imagine. If I were to see God, uh, that song I can only imagine hits me hits me hard because... I think that if I seen God, I would be like like Paul whenever he seen Jesus on the road to Damascus. It's just that fear that comes upon you, and you would just break, and you'd just be like mush, you know, and you would just not even want to look. You would be in, in fear, like not a fear as if though you're trembling and scared, but a fear of reverence. Um, to worship God without being dependent upon worldly influence. So it's like you don't need to be, you know, motivated. You don't need something to get you to that place of worship. That's worshiping God in spirit. Worship God with all your being, everything about you. That's not just putting your hands in the air. It's about you aligning your mind and your heart. The Bible says that you love God with all your mind, heart, and soul. You can use that word worship in there as well. You worship God with all your mind, heart, and soul. You give him everything. This is worshiping God in spirit. Worship God in the power of the Holy Spirit and under the direction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to the believer. Jesus said that my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Whenever you're in worship or whenever you're, 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 you're getting to that place of worship and God says, listen, your Holy Spirit says, lift, lift your hands. You know, lifting your hands is worshiping him, being led by the Holy Spirit. If that's what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. I remember one time when I first got saved, I was out at a, uh, an event out in downtown Orlando and it was at a church and they were all break dancing and stuff out there and there were some rappers there and stuff. And I walked into the sanctuary and something came up, it, came in, it was the Holy Spirit. Now, now that I look back, the Holy Spirit comes and says, you know, take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. There's nobody in the sanctuary. It was pitch black. I didn't even know, I didn't even know of this church. It was my first time I ever in the sanctuary. So I took off my shoes. I was in my socks. And I, and I began to pray and I began to lift up my hands by myself. And two guys came in that I didn't even know. And they began to pray for me. And they began to prophesy over my life about being a youth pastor. And um, that was being led by the Spirit. That was being... This Holy Spirit saying, look, this is what you need to do. So it's worshiping Him. When you worship in spirit, you're worshiping, being led by the Holy Spirit and by the Holy Spirit's direction. I know sometimes it can be difficult to say, you know, wow, I can't hear the Holy Spirit talking to me. How do you know? How do you know? It just comes with you seeking His face. Seek and you will find. Period. You can't read the Bible once a year and think, man, how come the Holy Spirit doesn't talk to me? How much have you grieved the Holy Spirit with your conduct? How much have you grieved the Holy Spirit with your actions? How much have you grieved the Holy Spirit with the thought process that you have? How much have you grieved the Holy Spirit with the true intentions of your heart of everything that you do, but yet you want to hear the Holy Spirit? 
you have to be understanding of, of how God works. I mean, is that fair to even ask? God, speak to me. I want to hear your Holy Spirit. Yet the Bible says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. What are you doing that only God knows about? What are your intentions that only God knows about that's grieving the Holy Spirit? That's for you to answer. If you expect to hear the Holy Spirit, you must not grieve the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has to be near you. The Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you. You worship God in spirit and truth and body and spirit which belong to God. So that's in spirit. Now, the Bible says to worship God in spirit and truth. So that was in spirit. Now, in truth, our worship of God has to be with integrity without being phony or fake. Guys, I know you guys have seen someone probably because, you know, you weren't really in worship. You weren't engaged in worship the way you should have. So you might have seen some people around you being like phony or fake, or at least you had that thought. It's possible. This would include a worship offered to God in response to your friend worshiping God. That's a phony or fake worship. Let me give you an example. Your friend raises their hand, and then and only then do you raise your hands. Your friend next to you begin, or friends, begin to sing, and then and only then do you begin to sing. That's a phony or fake worship. Let me elaborate. Being motivated or encouraged is not an issue. It's okay to be motivated and encouraged, to be led into worship by a worship team. However, if you need to be motivated or encouraged every time you worship God, then there's an issue. Every time you enter into worship, you shouldn't be dependent upon your friends singing or raising their hands. Okay? Because then you've got to ask yourself, where's my relationship with God? Where's my desire to worship? And that's possibly the answer. Maybe you don't have one. Maybe you need to seek Him. Maybe you need to... The Bible says, if my people call upon my name, who are called upon by my name would humble themselves. Maybe you need to humble yourself. Pray. Maybe you need to pray. Maybe you need to seek His face. Maybe you need to turn from your wicked ways. And then will I hear them from heaven, forgive them of their sins, and heal their land? What is your land? Is your land your family? Is your land your, your, your school friends? You know? Is your land the, the ministry that God has for you that he's planted in your heart, but yet you keep it to yourself because you haven't presented it to nobody? What is your land? Are you humbling, self, humbling yourself? Are you praying? Are you seeking his face? And are you turning from your wicked ways? Are you doing those things? That's what you have to ask yourself. If you find yourself having to be motivated every time you need to worship God or every time that you do worship God, it's always got to be from some worldly influence or from some, some type of motivation from the natural realm. Worshiping God should be done in accordance with the truth. This would be in light of his revealed word with absolute truth. So, for instance, if some of the cults may worship God by cutting themselves, well, the Bible says that you shouldn't cut yourself, Okay. That is called a mutilation. You should not do that. If you're doing that to worship God, then you're not worshiping God in light of the truth, the holy word. Okay? If you are sacrificing cats and rats and dogs and ants and everything else, if you're sacrificing those things and saying, oh, this is worship to you, God, you know, and you're worshiping God like that, then you're not worshiping God in alignment with his word. So you have to worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay? You have to align yourself with the word when you worship God. You don't need to be doing a bunch of crazy junk that any cult or any, or any you know, demonic force or, or, or a thought that might come across your mind would tell you you need to do to worship God. If it's not biblical, it's not truth. Okay? What do you mean by biblical? He said, according to his written word, 66 books. People that are like wicked, they have 
have the own satanic bible and they pretty much like worship satan and their only commandment is do as thou wilt and that's pretty much saying do what the worldly things are do whatever you want to do yeah there was a movie about that that was in that was in the book that i uh, uh, no, there was this movie that my aunt took me to, and, and it was like reading or something, and and uh, there were two people, and they were evolutionists, and one of them was, uh, was, did believe in Jesus, and she was a pastor, but then she said, oh, this, this is nonsense, I don't believe in Jesus no more, so she believed in evolution, and uh, she went to this town, uh, because uh, what happened was, uh, they said that a river turned into blood. So obviously she has to go. So she went uh, oh, with three of them, and one of them believed in God. And it, uh, what happened was it was happening as the nine plagues, and then at the end, uh, all of them were second born. So the last plague, all all those uh, oh no, all of them were first born uh, because they would kill the second born because they believed in Satan. So they would sacrifice the second born. And uh, it, it's like they tried to sacrifice this one second born, and uh, uh, when they stabbed her, the person just died because this was an angel sent down by God. And uh, it was a good movie. And uh, what happened at the end was uh, all of the firstborn, which was basically the whole entire town, ended up being killed. They all died because God sent an angel down and killed all the firstborn. And they all just happened to be firstborn because they killed the second one. That's kind of I don't get confusing. it. It's like crazy. I don't get it. Okay, Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 25. The God who made the world and all the things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. Um, this is um, Paul talking to the, the Athens on Mars Hill. The Athens? Athenians in, in Athens. And um, what it was is they were very superstitious and they had this, this little like box and it said to the unknown God. And that was where they had to worship God and that's where they offered up sacrifices and so forth. In a box. Yeah, just a, like a box that said the unknown God or, or an altar or something. And it said, um, so he's telling him, he's like, look, you know, God is not confined to this place here, you know. You don't need to go and, and worship God here. So that's what he was trying to d- demonstrate to him. So we must avoid associating God with a religious building or ascribing God or ascribing to God any human limitation. Okay. For instance, let me just use this example. I've heard people, these are young people actually, that say, oh, you curse and we're at church? Or oh, you shouldn't act like that in church. And they're serious when they say this and they mean it when they say it. But this is insinuating that God is only in the church building. And how dare they speak or act like that in God's presence. It, it, it shows their immaturity and their lack of study as if though God's not just here. What are you talking about? You cursed in church. Are you saying that you can curse outside of church? What are you talking about? You acted like that in church. Are you saying you can act like that outside of church? So we can't say that God is only here. God is confined to this church building. We must go here to worship and we must be on our best behavior here. 
Because God dwells in the individual. We talked about the Trinity last week. Who dwells inside of the believer? The Holy Spirit, third part of the Trinity. Okay? One God, three, three separate persons, three separate individuals, if you will. I know those are difficult words, but three separate feelings. I mean, the, the Holy Spirit and Jesus and God, they all feel, they all speak. You know, they're, they're three separate entities, if you will. Three separate essences. No, not, one, not essences. Persons. Let's just use the word persons just like the doggone theologians do. This type of thinking is done by only those who have not studied the word to understand who God truly is and what God truly requires. God is, in much great, God is much greater than the little tiny man-made building or the even huge cathedral that has been built by the best builder that costs the most money and has the best appearance, appearance so the natural eyes can behold. The church building is just the church building. This is a great place that we are grateful for, that we can come fellowship, we can learn about God, we can, we can shake hands, we can say what's up, we can worship together, we can speak and talk and, and edify one another, we can study the Bible together. That's what this building is. People can come here for prayer. It's good that we have a full-time bishop. Anytime throughout your day you need prayer, you need to just come in here and cry on the altar. Most of the time the, day, the door's open. This, that's what this place is. It's, it's the house of the Lord. But yet God is not confined here. God is confined here. Well, not confined, but God is dwelling here. So God is everywhere. Anyone who is a believer, God dwells inside of them in the form of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews eleven twenty seven. By faith he left. It's talking about Moses. He left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. Remember, we're talking about God being spirit, God being unseen, God being invisible. Okay? Not being able to be beheld with our faculties. If God is invisible, how do we explain the passages of Scripture where he seems to reveal himself in the visible form? To answer that, you've got to understand two things. You've got to understand two principles of Bible interpretation. Yes, sir? Um, why can't we just have like, spirit vision? Spirit vision? Yes, we can see A lot of people do have spirit vision. The Bible says he goes to people in visions and dreams. Just because you ain't getting them don't mean they don't exist. No, I mean like, like vision like if you're awake. Like night vision? Yeah. Spirit vision? Yeah. That would oh, be nice. Oh, okay. I remember when I lost my mom's phone and then I'm like, oh. And you had spirit vision? Uh-huh. And uh, uh, it's like, it's under the bed. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> That it, it, it was under the bed, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, See, that was spirit vision. A thought just appeared in my mind, check under the bed, and I checked under the bed, and then it was there. Well, praise God. Oh, you see? Oh, hey, give glory to God in all things. Hey, you want to give God, you want to give God the glory that He showed you where the phone was? Praise God. God came in like forms of like fire and stuff in the Old Testament, and now like in well, what would you rather have? God appearing every now and then in the form of fire or God, the Holy Spirit, dwelling inside of you? Both. All day, every Both. day. Every Both. second. Both. 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 Dang, you, you want your cake and eat it too, huh? Yeah. It's much better to have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside you 24-7, seven days a week. Oh, you I wouldn't even require much. both, want more. You wouldn't require both, want both, or even need both. If you were to stop grieving the Holy Spirit with your lifestyle, I promise you. I promise you. Are you saying that goes for me too. God and fire as a fire as a burning bush isn't good? 
That's excellent. It worked for Moses. I'm just saying. The Holy Spirit dwelling inside you. I think Moses would have been would have would have enjoyed that as well. I mean, that's God dwelling inside you. Guys, do you understand that God is one God and three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? And if the Holy Spirit dwells inside of the believer, you have God with you all the time. Jesus said, these things that I do, you'll be able to do in greater because I'm going to send the power to you. The power he was speaking of was the Holy Spirit. It's because of our little faith that we're not able to say, look, you see, you you got four fingers. In the name of Jesus, I pray, and you give God glory, and you pray, and bam, a finger shows up. You don't think you can do that? I can do that. Ye of little faith. I believe that that can happen, absolutely. I believe that we as humans limit God. I went to this church one time, and they said that if you had enough faith, you could walk on water. Listen, let me just tell you this. Let me just tell you this. Peter walked on water. All right? Understand this. I don't believe that there is anything that God is incapable of doing, and I know that the Word teaches that the Spirit of God dwells inside of the believer. The Spirit of God is God in the third person of the Trinity. So if you got God dwelling in you, there are no limitations. The Bible says I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The word of God is absolute truth. It's inspired by God. It wouldn't be there if it wasn't true. Now there has to now that's that okay, now I got you thinking, right? Now you have to ask yourself, why don't I have this power? Your faith is limited. It's because of your faith. First the first question that I need to ask myself, because I don't have the power neither. My grandma, she's got doggone an amputated leg. I'd love to give her, her leg back. It's me, me, me. It's not God that limits all of that. Even whenever I would go to pray for her, I would be doubting that it's going to happen. Wait, uh, With real faith, you don't doubt. Even whenever, even whenever, um, when the disciples, when Jesus was here and the disciples, they, um, there's a par- there's, oh, I don't know if it's a parable or an instance. I was reading it the other day. I forget what it was. But they went to do something. And Jesus said, you have little faith. And he did it. And he's like, look, you guys, and they said, why couldn't we do it? I think it was casting out demons. He said, why couldn't we do it? I think the demons laughed at him. But he said, why couldn't I do it? Why couldn't we do it? And they're like, and Jesus was like, you can do it. You got, you're going to have to, you know, I'm going to send the power of the Holy Spirit to dwell in you, but it's your faith that is, that is limiting you in doing it. That's it. And there's people out there that believe that the gift of healing doesn't exist no more. Well, the gift I think of healing is a thousand years, or 900 years. That isn't a year no more. No one's lived over 130 years. What? Say that again. Moses lived to 900. I know now. No, there's no one. I know there's a person. Yeah, but that hasn't happened. That that's not even comparing apples to apples. That that living that old hasn't happened since the flood. Exactly. Why not? Because I don't know. Uh, Sin. That's my answer. Uh, did Judas? Uh. Uh, uh, one of the disciples, did he ever do anything to glorify God? Like, resurrect or... Uh, I mean, he only betrayed Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, did he ever yeah, do anything? Judas? Mm-hmm. Judas? The one that sold Jesus, the betrayer. Yeah. He betrayed yeah. Jesus. Did he do anything to glorify God? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he did. He was a disciple. The thing is, 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 the Bible says that only God knows the heart of man. So even though he might have been doing things on the outside... I don't know what his intentions were. Did he do it to be seen? I don't know. I don't know that answer. No. Uh, did he like heal? I don't know. It's not recorded in the Bible, so I don't, I don't have no way of knowing that. So, let's not get off track. There's two answers that you must understand, two principles of Bible interpretation. You have to understand this. 
First of all, the Bible does not contradict itself. If you think it does, you're wrong. It doesn't. Okay? If you come across a difficult passage and it doesn't align with this passage, that doesn't mean it contradicts itself. It means that you need to look at it a little bit harder. That's all it means. Wait, but in the Old Testament, it's like an eye for an eye and a hand for a hand. And then in the New Testament, it says something else. Again, 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 again. If you think it contradicts itself, it means you need to study more. Okay? In the Old Testament, they were under the Levitical law, the judicial law, and the Mosaic law. We are not under that covenant. We are under the covenant of grace. Praise God. Okay? So there's reasons that things were done back then. There were reasons. I mean, th- thank God that there ain't whole, you know, Saudi Arabia. God could just went wipe all them out too, you know, just like he wiped out Sodom and Gomorrah. I, I mean, there's reasons why things are the way that they are. So you just have to study more. If you think it contradicts itself, it's because you need to study it more. It's because you are misunderstanding it. It's not because it contradicts itself. Okay? I am more comfortable leaning on you or me or Bishop or anyone else misunderstanding the word or not comprehending it right than referring back to the word and saying there's contradiction in God's inspired word. Okay? If I'm going to blame somebody, I'm going to blame humanity for messing up, not the inspired word of God. Okay? So you have to understand that the Bible does not contradict itself. That's the first principle. The second principle is passages of scripture that are difficult to interpret with certainty should be interpreted in light of those passages whose interpretation is unmistakable. Let me explain. Okay. You got passages that say that that God has wings. You know, he'll hide you under his wings. Okay. Um, so God is spirit. We already know that the Bible says that God is spirit in John 4, 24. Okay. We know that God is is unseen and invisible and no man has ever seen him. Okay? So there's no way for, for, for that to be... Whenever the Bible's talking about passages that talk about him symbolic or um, symbolically or, or metaphorically having different limbs or whatever, it's, you've got to understand that it's symbolic. Because if it, if it was absolute truth, then they wouldn't contradict himself saying that God's never been seen or he's unseen and he's invisible, which is what the Bible teaches. Yes, sir. Are you going to be able to no. touch God? I don't know. He's not a human. Yeah. He's not I don't know. He it's my heaven. What exactly? Jesus, the, maybe. The, what I said? Yeah. So what, what do you mean? Um, passages of scripture yeah, that are difficult to interpret with certainty should be interpreted in light of those passages with interpretation, whose interpretation is unmistakable. So if you got the same topic... And this one's like, ah, I don't really understand that. But this one says this. For instance, the Trinity. A lot of people say that God is three gods. Justin, a lot of people say that God is three gods, right? Right? What? You got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So a lot of people logically say there's three gods, right? No, there's three gods. Logically. People might say there's three gods, right? Yeah. Okay, they might say that. Then you got the scripture in Deuteronomy that says... I am the Lord your God, and I am one. Well, that eliminates that whole theory of there's three gods. There are no other gods before me. That's what, uh, that's what the Bible says. We went over that. We went over a whole boatload of scriptures that talk about God being one. So that eliminates that there's more than one God. Doesn't it also say in the Bible that when like two people come together and get married, they're one? Yes. So that's another way. Well, that is the word that we use... Um, the word God is one. The word uh, the word one is the word ikad, which refers to a unity of more than one person. 
That would also refer to a husband and a wife becoming one. It's the same word, echad, or whatever, E-C-H-A-D. It's yeah. a Hebrew word. I feel like sharing All right, she has something to share. I think this has something to do with faith, but um, it's either Monday or Tuesday. We were doing our last volleyball game, my Game yet, and God told me we were going to win this game today. So I have faith as part of my team that we were going to win this game. And we won our game. So I felt really good there. Praise God. How did God tell you? It was just the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. It was like, you can just sit there. He learned how to actually serve the ball right. So I was all excited. <laughs> <laughs> he learned how to play volleyball. So they're going to win. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Jessica. God is faithful. The scriptures clearly state that God is invisible. So any scripture that's talking about God being seen, you have to interpret it in light of a scripture that is unmistakable truth. It does not contradict itself. Go to 1 Timothy 1.17. Yeah, no, 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 no. You must know about seeing God. I told you. 1 Timothy 1.17. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who is to, to God who alone is wise, be honor, glory forever and ever. Amen. Go to 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16, please. Let me guess. It says the same thing. Which he will manifest in his own time, he who is the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings and lord of time, Jesus, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen, no man has seen, or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. So, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 4, 11 through 12. Yes, ma'am. Um, when I was younger, someone told me that when you look at a people that God, you would die. Yeah, that's like a lie. You'll die. No, I, I, don't, I don't know, actually. Um, it says unapproachable light. How would anyone find that out? Yeah, I don't think that that's scriptural. I don't know. I think it might be biblical. I don't. I can't refer to a scripture. Yeah, you're right. How would anybody find that out? Look at him. No, no. I think it might be biblical. I think. Well, it, I heard that because it sounds like unbearable. Like, yeah. For us. I think in the scripture it does refer to anyone if they see God, they they wouldn't be able to behold him. They, Actually, be, they would. They would. Be, they would die. But don't quote me because I can't take you to a scripture. But I can find out for you. Uh, in the Greek uh, thing, when a god would show it's an uh, a god. Yes, A, like fake God, okay. for, for the Greek gods, if the God would show its true immort- uh, immortality and be its true self, any mortal looking at it would disintegrate because they're not worthy enough. So you, know what I want you, you get to do that through the Greek context. <laughs> you absorb a lot of information. I do. I want you to read the Bible, like, a lot. Read Matthew. Because whenever you come up with these great illustrations, I want you to be like, you know what it says in Ecclesiastes? It says, ah. you know what it says in the book of Leviticus? Do you know what it says in First Peter? And I want you to refer to these sources instead of going to like Greek mythology and all that junk. Well, Greek mythology is like very similar. Similar. Yeah, similar. Be careful. 
I know. I'm trying to look I out for you. I know, but man, it's dangerous. There's some crazy stuff. Yeah. It, it does talk about demons. It's like it people. It's like people who go to the History now. Channel for their source of information. Why not the Bible? History. Well, you can go to the History Channel to. Uh, right, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not belittling the History Channel, but yeah, there are some stuff on the History Channel that would believe that would that are contrary to Scripture. And that's what you got to be careful. If, you, if that's your only source, you're in trouble. If your only source is Greek mythology, you're in trouble. And I hear you quote Greek mythology a lot more last week too than you do the Word of God. So that's what I'm saying. Be careful. I'm just looking out for you. I'm not saying you never. I didn't say you never did. See, according to Greek mythology, Jesus Christ is Savior by the Lord. Well, I told him why do you believe in that? And he's like, oh, we're point nine 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 the same as gorillas and monkeys. We're not point nine nine nine. And he's like, we're like point we have like one. And he's like, like oh, a documentary on the History Channel. A documentary on the History Channel. You know what the problem with this TV is? Whoever's in charge of the broadcast is what's going to be shown. Of course. I believe it when that's similar to the You can like, want like a... We're pretty close to that. Point nine 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 nine? No, we're not. Point nine 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 nine? We think they're strong. That means you're like identical. No, exactly. That means you're identical. 99.99. Yeah, baby, you're thinking of 99.99. Yeah, because you're like 0.99. Okay. Well, but if, once you say two nines, point nine nine, isn't that like no, 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 that's no, nine. no that's I'm thinking of ninety nine point nine. Yeah, ninety nine point nine is crazy because we would be like. So he said point nine or ninety nine point nine. I mean, I know people. He said it wrong. His friend said ninety nine point nine. By the way, okay. that his friend Paul still looks like... And, he, and then he says, like, the reason... He says, like, I told him it was not okay to believe in evolution. Guys, listen up, please. I told, I told him it wasn't okay to believe in evolution, and then Jesus, and then he's like... And then my other friend, Tyler, he was like, oh, go to the Smithsonian, or go on the internet, and then you'll probably change your mind. I was like, I'll never change my mind. Mm-hmm. The thing is, they, they... You should, you know, you should have said, go to the Bible and read the whole thing, and then read it again, and you might change your mind. You read the Bible? I was going to read my Bible to school tomorrow. So it's better if you read this, you can give more answers to their questions than they can give you answers. You know, they give a couple answers. Oh, we evolved from monkeys and all this stuff. But they get stumped. Once you get down the wire, they get stumped. We don't know. And that's it. And we can always give answers. They can. Actually, look, I would encourage you. Wherever God has you, he has you there for a reason. So if that's the topic you're dealing with, become a scholar of evolution, man. I'm going to become a scholar of evolution. Seriously. <laughs> Just make sure, listen, if you try to become a scholar, hold on, listen to me. If you try to become a scholar of something, you better make sure you're applying 10 hours to the word and maybe 3 hours to the ratio. The ratio between the word and whatever you're trying to study needs to be more the word than what you're studying. Real quick. Shh, guys, listen up, please. Well, my question is if they, if they say we evolved from monkeys, where do monkeys come? Exactly. They don't have an Oh, they come from fish. And where do fish come from? Fish come from or an orgasm. Or a rock. <laughs> <laughs> or an organism, not an orgasm. Nothing. We'll talk about that when the microphone's off. Be quiet. You're right. No, you're right. They say that monkeys come from a different species and a different species. You know, you're right. Seriously. And we come from one cell in the universe, yeah. Time out. We flirt with idolatry when we picture what God looks like. You hear me? 
Pastor Robert is famous for this. He cannot stand people who wear a shirt with the face of supposedly what Jesus looks like. Or when they have a charm with supposedly the face of Jesus. Or whenever they get like a tattoo with supposedly the face of Jesus. Or a hat with supposedly the face of Jesus. We don't know what Jesus looks like. Anybody can make that picture. Alright? Yeah. There's no, there wasn't cameras and videotapes back then. Not to be racist or anything, but you know how everybody thinks Jesus is white, but he's black. He ain't black, brother. But he, but, oh, they did say he was Jewish. I believe he was dark skinned. Absolutely. I, he wasn't white. Well, that's what I'm saying. But like every time we see pictures, he of wasn't white. Well, he, was like, wasn't he was from the Middle East. Yeah, no one No, you're right because in, 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 in Isaiah it says he had no comely. He had no yeah, like, not ugly, ugly, but like lovely. Oh, he was like, ugly, brother. Like no, like women didn't lust over him. What if he just put that effect on him? Towers. See, nah, All right, listen up. Let's not get off track here, please. Lord. What are you confused about, Christian? Time out, guys. Um. All right, it's so like say. Um. Like. Hold know, on. What's the title of today's message? First. It's um. God is spirit. Yeah, I knew it was about the spirit. Are you confused about anything of that? Okay. Like, what are you confused? You know about? how there's pictures of like say like Jesus like hugging a man or something. So like, would that be bad too? This is the thing. Here's the topic. We flirt with idolatry clearly. No, we flirt with idolatry when we picture what God looks like. We flirt with it. In other words, you flirt with it. Okay, flirting means you're dabbling with it. Idolatry is you you're idolizing something. You you're you're you you need that thing to to worship. Okay, so people who bring it into idolatry would be you can't worship God unless that picture of Jesus is there. You know, yeah. you, or, or you recognize that picture as Jesus, and that's where you worship. Whenever you see that picture or that statue, okay, you're, you're starting to flirt with it. That's why Pastor Robert doesn't like it because you don't flirt with sin. All right, if you don't know what Jesus looks like, why are you walking around with this shirt that says Jesus, your homeboy, white boy with long hair, looks like a serpent? Okay, why? There's no, there's no, there's no reason to do it. Um, Let's go to Deuteronomy 4, 11 through 12 and see what the word says. Have you ever seen a picture of Jesus smiling? No. Or a uh, make-believe uh, make I don't know. Picture. I can't recollect. They make him look like a king. No, make-believe. I've never ever seen a make-believe picture of Jesus smiling. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. All right. In this scripture here, and then also in verses 15 and 16, God allowed the children of Israel to hear his voice at Mount Oreb when he presented his covenant for them to follow, the Ten Commandments. And he did it so that fear may come upon them that they may teach their children of that covenant all of the days of the earth. So he's like, Moses, I'm going to present myself to the people. And it's going to be a big flaming fire and a cloud of smoke. And all they're going to hear is my voice. They're not going to see anything. Okay? 11 and 12, that is correct. Okay. Then you came near and you stood at the foot of the mountain. He's talking to the, Moses is talking to the children of Israel. He's like, remember this. Okay, because this is in the book of Exodus, I believe. So Deuteronomy is like, it's like two. It's like kind of like doing Exodus all over again. Then you came near and you stood at the foot of the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire to, in the midst of heaven, to the midst of heaven, with darkness with darkness, cloud, and thick darkness, 
And the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of the words, but saw no form. You only heard a voice. Verses 15 to 16, please. Take careful heed to yourselves. This is Moses still talking to the children of Israel. So he reminded them this time at the mountain that God spoke to them and gave them the Ten Commandments. Take careful heed to yourselves, for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb, out of the midst of the fire, lest you act corruptly and you make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure likeness of male or female. And if you keep going into verse 17, it talks about in the, in the likeness of animals. All right? Seriously, you got people these days that think Hindus, they worship elephants yeah. or something like that. <laughs> they, they think they're that they're so spirits ugly. inside animals. Okay, so this is what you got to be careful of. Didn't the Jewish people like pass on their spirits to like a cow and then cut the cow's head off? I don't know. But here's the thing. <laughs> I think that was in Greek mythology. No, no, it wasn't. Okay, okay, come on. I was in Deuteronomy. I'm just kidding. It was not in Greek. All right, be careful with the movies. You said it was in a movie. But be careful what you see in movies, too. All right. He did not show himself. Therefore, Moses was reminding them that they should not act corruptly and make for themselves an image to worship God. God is invisible, has not been seen. Okay? Unseen God. That is God, who God is. God is spirit. The only, one that, the only part of God that has been seen is we're going to get it to. Jesus, the Son of God. Okay? Since God is spirit and indivisible, how then can we know him? Okay? John six forty six. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Who are we talking about? Jesus. I love it when we start talking about Jesus. He's so awesome. No man has ever seen the Father except the one who is from the Father. That's Jesus. Jesus was both God and man. He is his physical state. I should say, he in his physical state had seen the Father. No other man can make this claim. No other man can make this claim. You might say, oh, what about Enoch? Well, Enoch's in heaven. He can't make that claim, can he? Because he's up there. Jesus, while he was here, could make that claim. Okay, that he had seen the Father. John 1.18. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. New King James says he has declared him. Jesus explains the Father. The Father has made himself known to humanity through... Anybody? The Father has made himself known to humanity through... Jesus Christ. Through the Son. Through Jesus. Thank you. We can understand who God is through... The Son. The Son. Jesus. Only Jesus could explain in 100% accuracy the character of God. This passage teaches us that Jesus is in the bosom of the Father, that's on the lap of the Father, and his life declares who God is. Lock it, almost done. Colossians 1.15 He, talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Starting to get pretty crystal clear here, right? Jesus is the image of the invisible God. God is spirit. God is invisible. God is unseen according to scripture. We just went over all of that. But Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. You need to deny yourself and follow after him. You must die to yourself and be born again through Christ. He was the firstborn of all creation. You want to be a part of that family? You need to be born again. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? 
Absolutely. Let's go back to John 6.46. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. That's what the Bible says. John 14.9. Actually, uh, Colossians 1.15. We're still here. In Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead, the fullness of divinity, dwell in bodily form. That's Colossians 2.9. Another little note here. Jesus' life that is recorded by eyewitnesses in the four Gospels demonstrates... And explains the character of our great God and creator. If you want to get to know God better, get to know Jesus better. Read the Gospels. Learn the Gospels. Study the Gospels. Understand what Jesus' life was like by the recorded evidence that we have. See, people always want to refute the Bible, but guess what? We have four eyewitnesses that recorded everything that happened within one generation of Jesus' death. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay? You want to get to know God, get to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's funny because if you got four eyewitnesses today in a court case, you're pretty much convicted. But we got four eyewitnesses that recorded all of pretty much identical information of the life of Jesus, yet we still want to not believe. Well, is it accurate? It was written by man. I mean, it's got to be. <laughs> is God not big enough to preserve his word? Come on now. He created the heavens and the earth and the sun and the moon and the stars. To preserve 66 books? That's like nothing to God. Of course he can do that. Jesus said to him, John 14, 9. Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? It is clear that Jesus tells Philip that seeing him is equal to seeing the Father. This is a reflection of the Trinity as well. At least two parts of the Trinity. It is interesting, this is the last note, it is interesting to me that so many people say that if God would just show himself, that they would believe. He already did. He already showed himself. The Bible says that Jesus, in Jesus, dwelt the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. The Father and the Son. God already showed himself. But yet people still say to this day, if God would just show himself, I will believe. So now the ball's in their court. Because God already showed himself. Well, you see Catholics. Catholics 